0: pregnancy, and parenting with chronic illness. No topic will be off limits here. I'll also talk to other patients and share their stories and advice. Think of this as your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. Hi everyone. I want to give you a couple quick background pieces of information before starting this episode. So this is a conversation between eight patients, including myself, that my friend Ashi organized way back in July, 2020. And the reason we wanted to have a discussion about methotrexate specifically is it's one of the most commonly prescribed medications for rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis. And it's one of the ones that people tend to be the most scared of. I mean, that could partly be that it's usually just when the beginning stages, when they're just getting used to being a chronic illness patient, but it's also because there are some side effects that some people have on it. So this conversation, again, it was almost a year ago at the time of this podcast. So, um, we're all actually going to be doing a part two as well, an update because some of the people had just recently been diagnosed and already have learned so much and things have changed over the last year for them. So that's announcement one, that this conversation happened a year ago and that there's going to be a follow-up. And, and I also really think it's important before sharing these personal stories to just give you some basic information about methotrexate to kind of anchor this conversation in the latest science. So methotrexate, um, is considered like the gold standard treatment for rheumatoid arthritis. It's one of the first medications that's often given to patients and about half of everyone treated with methotrexate has little to no radiographic progression, according to the 2019 article from the annals of internal medicine called rheumatoid arthritis in the clinic. And it's, um, it says that 30% of patients treated with methotrexate will require additional disease modifying anti-rheumatic drugs just like the biologics and you know the the reason that medications in general are important for rheumatoid arthritis is that according to this article, and quote, in most patients, RA is a chronic progressive disease characterized by episodes of disease flares or long term chronic inflammation. Only a few patients achieve long term remission without the need for long term medications, end quote. So it's really important to understand that you might see, you know, examples of people who are doing really great, not on medication, but that is not the norm. It doesn't mean that if that's a goal that you have, you might not be able to work towards it, but the vast majority of evidence shows how effective these medications are. And you can't turn the clock back on permanent joint damage. I do. I don't want to downplay the risk of side effects. Um, I personally, as you'll see in this video don't have a lot of side effects from methotrexate, but according to uh, the arthritis foundation, which I'm linking to this in the comments, you know, um, 20 to 65% of people who take methotrexate experience side effects and global healthy living foundation sponsored a study in 2019 that showed that 58% of patients in their study of over 300 patients had side effects from methotrexate and nausea and fatigue were the most common ones. So, so, you know, it's, I don't want to minimize, again, the risk of, of side effects, but it also needs to be balanced by the potential benefits of this medication in slowing down disease progression. So um, that's my little spiel before the episode, and I hope you enjoy. One more thing I forgot to say is that if you're listening to this before September 30th, 2021 registration is open for room to thrive. My online empowerment and patient support program where we meet every week and we discuss what's going on in our lives. And I also give little mini presentations, every single meeting where we talk about all the different ways we can manage our condition, you know, in our mental outlook, stress management, as well as tools for pain and fatigue and ways to manage the quote unquote job of being a chronic illness patient, things like symptom tracking and making difficult medical decisions. So I love this program. It's been really life changing for the people who've gone through it so far. And if you have any questions, just let me know, but it's not going to open up again until 2022. So if you were interested, join now.
1: Um, So I'll just go ahead and introduce myself. So basically, I got diagnosed last year in 2019, and I started methotrexate after sulfasalazine was not helping me at all. I started out with pills, and then I ended up needing some injections because the pills were giving me a lot of side effects. So that's kind of what my journey has been. I got off of it two months ago because I needed a live vaccination for chickenpox and that's two doses and they have to all be a month apart. Um, so I'm getting back on it again on the 15th and I'm very nervous and scared. So I'm hoping that this will also help me be more brave when we restart. Um, Cheryl, did you want to go ahead and introduce yourself next? Yeah, hi everybody. Uh, my name is Cheryl
0: Crow. I've had rheumatoid arthritis for 17 or 18 years, depending on the math, I can't remember. And. Um, I I live in the Seattle area and I've been um, on methotrexate for for the whole 17 years, except for when I was um, planning on getting pregnant, and then for a couple years after we weren't sure if we were going to try for another baby. So methotrexate is one of those meds that you don't want to take when you're pregnant. So, um, but I'm excited to share my journey with everybody.
1: I'll happily go next.
0: Hi,
2: Paulina. Hey guys, girls! <laughs> um, so I will just say that my name is Paulina because no one here knows. I'm 23 and I was diagnosed with arthritis at the age of 18. So I have had it for four or five years. Maths is very great right now. Um, and I started off with I started off with the pills and now I'm on the injections.
3: Hi, I'm Kristen, I am 33. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and Sjogren syndrome two years ago, and I started on methotrexate, the oral form, two days after I was diagnosed, and I've been on it ever since, and I'm still in the oral format, so.
1: Wow, that's a really quick turnaround for them to give you medications.
3: Yeah, my rheumatologist moves incredibly fast, which is one of the reasons why I love her so much. I think that I've saved a lot of permanent joint damage because of her, so.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Joe. would you like to go next?
4: Um, sure, so hi, I'm Jo. Um, I'm a master's student in Leeds in the UK. Uh, I'm 22 and I was diagnosed when I was 19, uh, but I didn't go on the metatrixate until I was 20. Uh, but I will go into that a bit later on. Um, and my fun fact is that in my free time, I like to veganize everything that I used to love uh, before I went plant based. Uh, I'm just doing my own way. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah.
1: Thank you for sharing. Hi,
5: um, I'm Ananthi. I am 34 and I am in a small market town, not far from London in the UK. Um, I was diagnosed officially two weeks ago and was started on methotrexate on the day. So um, I waited until the weekend, but we'll get onto that later. Yes, I have officially had two doses of methotrexate so far, so I'm a newbie. <laughs>
1: hey, welcome, am so excited. I hope this will help you um, get with your journey and- Everything from here on out, I'm so
6: excited. Hi, I'm Jenny. Um, I am from the U.S. and I was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis in November. Um, I was gonna start methotrexate two weeks ago but I got some type of infection so I'm kind of waiting to get the clearance on starting it in the next couple of weeks. So I'm also a newbie.
7: Hey, I'm Allie, um, I live in the United States. I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I just turned 27 two days ago, um, and I got diagnosed at the age of 15 with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and I started methotrexate back in 2016, um, and I was on it for about two years, and then I thought I was in remission, went off it about four months, and then had to go right back on it again, (laughs) and I am currently on it, um, and that's me.
1: Yay, welcome. Thank you guys so much for sharing. Just, I think everyone introduced themselves. Yay, all right, so um, next we'll go ahead and start talking about how our journey with methotrexate has been. Um, anyone that hasn't tried methotrexate yet or is just beginning to, do you guys have any fears you would like to share that maybe we can clear up for you guys? Um, we can say like and we can take turns saying how we were all put on it as well if you guys would like.
2: I'll happily go first.
1: Okay, Yay, go ahead. <laughs> um,
2: right, so my journey into methotrexate has been a pretty funny one I would like to say. It is influenced by my silly actions. Um, right, so what happened was I was 18 and one morning i woke up feeling like a completely different person and not in a good way um and ever since that morning i mean i started going to the doctors i was living in england at that time now i'm living in germany and went to my gp which then took a very long time probably around a year to actually end up at my rheumatoid specialist in england which i saw her and i can't say that i had a super great experience because it felt very it felt very like a tickless like i was just one of those people that she was seeing coming through the doors in and out and she didn't listen to my full story she was just like here here's a stick man where does it hurt okay cool we'll do an injection here and we'll give you these pills and start the steroids So what happened in the beginning was I had a steroid injection into my whole body, as in like one into my bum because my whole body was very bad, Um, but it didn't do anything. So she started me on the prednisone, on the pills. So I was on that for, I think, a good month or even longer while I was starting my methotrexate, which was also in the pill form. To sort of wait for the methotrexate to kick in I had to be on the steroids to actually be able to function um and yeah so then I slowly started easing off the prednisone because you have to ease off of it and not come off of it drastically or at least that's what I've always been told um I then immediately as soon as I was officially diagnosed and put on this medication and I was told that this is not curable, and I was told that I'm gonna have to take this for the rest of my life, I was like, hold on a minute. If I am going to be destroying my body, I mean, helping and destroying it at the same time with this medication, then I'm pretty sure there's something natural that I can do to help my body fight it or at least help it a little bit more. So I started going to my uncle Google and spending tons of hours of just Googling, researching, just forums or things like that. But I didn't have a community to turn to. Like we we are so lucky that we have that now. At that point, I didn't know anyone who had it. No one in my family has ever experienced something like this. It was also new for my family to, um, to like, adapt i guess because i was still living with my parents and luckily that i was because without them i honestly wouldn't be able to do anything um so it was such a big like adaptation for all of us and because all of my google searches started showing yeah like you need to go on this anti-inflammatory diet and maybe try this and maybe try that i started experimenting with everything and i went on a lot of vitamin supplements I started doing a lot of different vitamin and nutrition changes in my body. And as we know, it's different for everyone. So it's not like this is the diet you follow and it's definitely going to help. So, yeah, so I just started doing a lot of things by myself. I had three, every three months I had a check-in with my specialist. And I think after six months of being on the medication, I... Honestly, I changed my diet like extremely. I was someone who was very, very fussy with her eating. I would not, for example, at that time I was still eating meat and I was so fussy that I wouldn't even eat meat on the bone because I was like, no, I can't do that. I need to eat it differently. And I changed from being super fussy to actually experimenting with vegetables and fruits and vitamins so the change was super drastic for me. I never ate unhealthy, but I never really focused what I was eating. Um, and anyways, for me, it had on a very high dosage of methotrexate. I think I started off on like 25 or even higher. And I was on steroids for the first couple of months. Um, I went to my specialist and then after I left her room where I literally didn't get much support, I was just like, do you know what? I'll feel fine now. I don't have any pain. I'm doing this diet stuff. I'm just gonna like throw the medication out. And that's what I did. So overnight, I stopped taking my medication and I was very, very confident in myself that my diet is gonna get me there and I'm gonna do it all. And you know what? I was fine for two years, I was okay. So I actually was very lucky that that's what happened because I mean, it could have been much worse. Um, And then after that duration of two years, I decided to move countries and I moved to Germany. I moved to Germany and I think I was here for for two weeks and I had my massive flare up again. Mm -hmm. In a country that I don't know the language of, don't know any people. I don't, I mean, I had my partner here. So obviously it was very helpful. Our relationship was also very new and we were only together for like five months or four months, I think. So it was like, great, I just came to move in with you and live and create a life. And here I am sitting on my bed. I can't even do anything by myself. Um, However, I consider myself once again in this situation, actually extremely lucky that I ended up in Germany, in Munich when this happened. And the flare-up probably happened because there was a lot of change in my life happening. There was a lot of stress, a lot of new experiences, and my body definitely felt it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And luckily, Munich, where I am, I've had amazing experiences with doctors here. I went to a don't know the scientific name but like the doctor who looks after bones and all of these things because that was one that my partner was already seeing so he kind of knew him and i managed to get into him quicker he saw me and he was like oh okay well we know you have arthritis so you actually need to see this specialist but you can't go to see that specialist without a referral from a different doctor um and he was, I'm so grateful for him because what he actually did, it was on the same day as I was in his cabinet, he called his specialist arthritis friend, doctor, which was fully booked if I wanted to actually go to her myself. And he managed to get me an appointment two days after seeing him. And I was like, completely shocked that that was happening so fast. I went to see her. Um, and she is like the best I could wish for or the best I've experienced in my uh, past experiences with other doctors. She, <laughs> she looked at my symptoms. She fully listened to everything I had to say. I could sit there as long as I wanted and talked to her. She examined all parts of the body that were achy and felt them and ultrasound, uh, ultrascans and all of these different things. And then she put me on methotrexate again, but on the injection form. And in England, no one even told me that injection form of methotrexate existed. So I was like, oh, okay. And obviously for me, I mean, anyways, um, I felt that injections was something that I felt more comfortable with as much as an injection does. Um, And with the pills, now that I have a comparison, I've been on the injections for like two and a half years. I don't have that many side effects as I used to with the pills. With the pills, I I experienced a lot more hair loss. I still experience it a little bit now, but with the pills, I experienced it much more. Um, And I was very fatigued. In the injection form, I still feel that, but, but I don't feel it as much. Okay. Yes, that's true. Um. Yes. So. Um. Oh, sorry, I got distracted with the comments now. Uh, <laughs> um. I don't know if I'm speaking too much or whatever, but I'll just uh, continue. Um. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. So then she examined me and she put me on methotrexate injections, which so far I've had a really good experience with. I started off at a really high dosage again, but now I'm back and I'm slowly coming off of it. And I'm on from 25 to, uh, from starting at 25, I'm now down to 7.5 and I'm slowly decreasing it. Um, so far it's going well I haven't been able to decrease it much more because the winter here was actually a lot longer than usual and that affected my joints I was a little bit worried to take me off of it uh, because we I mean for me my the weather impacts me quite a lot actually and the cold weather especially so yeah so far so good I've still experimenting with diet and exercise and movement is very helpful for me, but this is just my own experience. I mean, every one of us is so different. Every one of us experiences things in such a different way um, that we can just talk about what's helped each one of us but i don't know did i miss anything does
1: anyone have any questions oh i love how you also talked about the side effects so from here on we're just combining the two questions that way we can all just have this organic discussion i love how like your doctor's experience has been totally different in germany versus when you were in england and i'm happy you got to move there yay um Mm -hmm. Does anybody else also like prefer pills over, or I mean injections over pills? Because um, what do you think, Cheryl? How do you feel? Have you have you tried both also?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I was initially put on pills and I did them for a long time because I liked the convenience. After um, I had my son, which was 11 years after my diagnosis, um, my body changed like in a lot of ways. Um, so I became, my stomach became more sensitive. And so I noticed that I was just slightly feeling nauseous. So I, my doctor suggested doing the injection to be easier on my stomach. So I I prefer that, but, um, yeah, I I have no needle phobia. I know for some people, the needle phobia makes it hard to do the injections.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Um, did you want to go ahead and share how you were first put on the meds? Yeah. So what's funny
0: is most of my stories from my journey of rheumatoid arthritis are really long. Like my diagnosis saga, I call it a saga because it was really, really long and painful. Um, but like my journey with methotrexate was really sh- like quick because I was diagnosed okay when, at, at the age of 20 in 2003. So there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was nothing like Facebook was literally being developed at Harvard at the time. So they're just, it's really hard, I think, for younger people to imagine that you would get a diagnosis and you just listen to your doctor. <laughs> like there was no sort of like, I mean, of course you would look at the side effects on the little thing from Walgreens, but I literally, I have a lot of really vivid memories from that time, but I have no memory of any concern about methotrexate because, um, for me, I had been in so much pain physically and emotionally for years. And then I finally had a doctor that was listening to me and told me this thing can give you relief. Yeah. It might have some side effects, but the evidence says that this is the most likely thing to give you relief. And I was like, "Uh, yes, give it to me now. Like I will pay you a thousand dollars for this, you know, and they're like, so, and it's been really fascinating. I didn't, and I'm just lucky that I don't experience a lot of the side effects other people do. I'm actually on 25 milligrams of methotrexate now. I've slowly climbed up over the years from like 10 to um, 25 again. I didn't have to go up that high until after my son. Um, I don't want to scare people who want to have kids. Lots of people with RA can have kids and my, my, conditions pretty well controlled now, but it was, it was dicey for a little while. And so I had to try, we had to try lots of different things. It was like whack-a-mole. So, um, but you know, and I, I have to say I have a little bit of tiredness afterwards, but I know a lot of people talk about the dreaded methotrexate hangover. And I literally didn't hear about that until like the late 2000s when I was on social media, I was like, why do people keep talking about the methotrexate hangover? I'm like, are they talking? I actually took it literal because I thought that they meant because you're not supposed to drink when you're on methotrexate, you're not supposed to drink alcohol. So I thought, oh, they like are having a hangover because they accidentally like drunk alcohol while they were on methotrexate, but actually no, they're talking about fatigue. So, um, so yeah, I did not have any fear about it. Um, I was like purely just relieved to have an option and um, it, again, if I mean this is like really nerdy, but if you look into the history of method of rheumatoid arthritis treatment, like the late '90s and early 2000s is right when they had first come out with the biologics. So the rheumatologists went from like we barely have anything for you to like we they are like excited, like the rheumatologists are like we have these amazing meds that can like change your life and like change the trajectory of the disease so that you don't have like guaranteed permanent joint deformities. And so I was like, sure, sign me up. So you know, um. Um, and I, I I know we were going to talk a little bit about, yeah, um, advice for injections. Just real quick, in general, my advice for injections is um, to go quicker. It's kind of like ripping the Band-Aid. So the faster you go, the less it hurts. Definitely when I had those, I mean, I don't have a needle phobia, but I, it was still hard. It was a learning curve to learn it. And sometimes I still am like a little bit like, eh, oh, yeah, oh, I'm not going to go very fast. And then it's like hurts way more. So just, just go for it. And um I like control, so I prefer to do it myself. I wouldn't want someone else doing it for me, but I still, everyone's different. Um, but yeah, that's my journey. Any, any questions about
1: that? Yay, thank you so much for sharing you I was welcome up. Your journey has been really long, so it's really good to hear over the years how you you have you know found ways to control your disease and have your body do whatever you want it to do. you know sometimes you do have to succumb to your illness, but I think mm-hmm for the most part, you are always such a bright, positive energy. So uh-huh. thank you for sharing. Thank you. Um, is there any questions, guys, for Cheryl? Um,
2: no question for me, but I'd love to just add on top of that about the injection tip. I have the same. I, in the beginning, when I was first put onto it, the nurse had to do the first injection to show me. And that was scaring me more than what I'm doing now. However, even now, I'm like three, two, one, and then I close my eyes and I do it. And even though I've been doing it every single week for the past two and a half years, and actually what bothers me more, and I mentioned it on my Instagram the other day, or was it yesterday or today, um, that actually what makes me feel nauseous is the smell of the antiseptic wipe (laughs) than the actual injection itself.
1: Which is very funny, so I don't agree when I'm doing it because it just makes me feel <laughs> Oh my gosh, I totally agree. I think you end up making these connections in your brains to I don't know yellow pills for me is it um like any circular pills? I hate them all now, and i I didn't even have a pill phobia. I would be able to swallow eight of them at a time. I did 12 one time when I was taking the methotrexate pills. Now I do one at a time. It's just, I, I my sulfasalazine now is super huge. I just don't know why they make them so inconvenient.
0: And a, a quick a quick tip for pills, and I don't know how I figured this out, but if you take a really deep breath before swallowing it, it goes a lot better. I have no idea why that is. Or um, I mean you could always ask the pharmacist whether it's the kind of pill that you can, you know, cut into with a pill cutter or grind oh it's not sulfas. <laughs> sulfas are known for being some of them, yeah, harder, but taking that deep breath, it's almost like I don't know if it opens your throat up or something, but it's a it's what I've done when I had to take the prenatal vitamins, which are also notoriously huge. <laughs> they <laughs> are enormous, yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, thank you guys um, for chiming in. Ali, did you want to tell us your journey with methotrexate?
7: Yeah. So like Cheryl, my journey is really long, so I'll try to make it short. Um, So I didn't go on methotrexate when I got diagnosed. So I got diagnosed. I had MRIs. I had my knee drained uh, three times, and then I had arthroscopic knee surgery in my right knee. And they went in there and they took all the gunk out is what I call it. And um, I had like a tumor in there. And so they took that out and they, yeah, it was a benign tumor, but they took it out and they tested it and they said it was rheumatoid arthritis. And this was back in Saudi Arabia, which is where I was living at the time. That's where I grew up. And um, funny actually, they couldn't find it in Connecticut. They didn't see the tumor. They didn't see anything wrong. So I actually got diagnosed in Saudi Arabia. Um, and then, so that was back in 2009. And I was actually good for six years after that. So no medication, nothing. The surgery did really well. Uh, the surgeon actually said, you're probably gonna be good for five to six years, but then it's gonna come back. And he was like spot on. So six years later, it came back and I got my knee drained. And then after that, I was fine. And then fast forward a year later, it all came back in like full force. So my knee uh, got inflamed, and I had to get it drained. And I was in denial that I had RA because it was only in one joint. I had it nowhere else, just my right knee. And so because of this, I went to every single doctor you could go to. I went to different countries. I went to um, Italy, Saudi Arabia, and the States. (laughs) Um, I saw doctors in Florida, um, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And that was in a span of seven weeks. And every single week, I had to get my knee drained um so for seven weeks i was either on crutches a cane or a wheelchair and this was back in um 2015 to going into 2016 so by the seventh week my doctor in florida was like you know what if you get it drained one more time this will be your eighth time in the past seven weeks and you're at super risk for infection you can't do that anymore you're gonna have to go on methotrexate and at that point I was like, fine, whatever, I'm done. Like I can't walk. I got tested for Lyme disease. I got tested for everything and everything came back negative. My knee got so bad within that seven week period that they were like, you're going to have to have surgery again because there was just a lot of buildup over the years. Um, and so I went on methotrexate back in 2016. I gave in and um, like Cheryl, I didn't have um, social media at the time. I mean, I did, but it wasn't like I have now where I've met all of you. So I didn't know a single person with RA. Um, I joined a group on Facebook and it was all ladies in their 70s. (laughs) And it made me so depressed and it was awful. And they were telling me that the methotrexate is going to kill me. Um, It was just a mess. And so, um, and no one in my family has it. I'm the only one. And so it was really hard for me. And when the doctor gave me the pills, like Cheryl said, I was just like, all right, like, pills like I had a pamphlet (laughs) and um, I read it and I didn't even know it was a form of chemotherapy at the time like I was just like all right the doctor gave me these pills I'm gonna take it and so um, I took it and uh, my mom was with me at the time and I was feeling really sick I just remember being super sick for the first two months and not really knowing why I just thought whatever it's my RA and so it it wasn't until like uh, two years later and within those two years I had surgery again and I was on it for two years and then I was like I'm gonna make an account because I just need to meet people that are going through this because I feel like this is hell and I (laughs) can't do it anymore. So I made the account and I met a ton of people who were on methotrexate and I learned it was a chemotherapy and I realized why I was having the hangover. Um, And I'm on the pills. I stuck to the pills the whole time. I never did injections. One, because I didn't even know that was a thing. (laughs) And um, two, um, I handled the pills really well. I do get a hangover. I'm actually having one right now. I took mine last night and um, I've always been on 10 pills this entire time. So uh, 25 milligrams. And um, my doctor was like, if you handle the pills quite well, then you don't really need to do injections. Like you can, if you want, but right now you don't have to. Um, It was kind of inconvenient because I was traveling a lot and she was like, it's fine. You don't have to. Um, And I don't really get nauseous. I just get tired. So yeah. And then in between those um, couple of years of being on methotrexate, I made myself go into remission, kind of like Paulina. I went off of it myself. I was like, I can do this. I can do the natural route. I'm doing it. I did it without telling my rheumatologist. Um, I weaned off it correctly. I did it within a couple months. And then I went in and I was like, I'm on zero pills. And they were like, Mm-mm, this isn't good. And then three months later, it came back. So <laughs> that's my story. And I am still on 10 pills a week. Um, and yeah. I handle
1: it well. That's me. Yay. Thank you for sharing. I'm so glad the pills worked for you. And wow, that's 10 pills. I love all the consistency. And it sounds like it is definitely more convenient to how you were living at the time.
0: I have a question. Have you always done videos of
1: you injecting yourself,
0: I guess, with your other medicine? But I think that would be something for people who haven't followed you to know about that you do entertaining videos of your medication, delivery.
7: Yeah, Yeah. so um, like she was saying, I'm on Enbril, which is an injection, it's a biologic. And I've I've been on it for a year. And for those that are afraid to do injections, I too was very afraid. And so because of that, I started filming myself. Every single injection, I film myself or I go live on Instagram. And it's been like this for a whole year because I feel like it's more fun to do it with people around. Um, It also gives me the confidence. And like Paulina, I did it with my nurse for the first time. And it is a little scary to do it yourself. So if you make it fun and entertaining, <laughs> it's actually a lot better. And I really encourage you to do it with someone. Don't do it alone if you, I mean, I know it's COVID and you know you have to, but if you can just like get on here and get on Zoom, or if you want us to get on Zoom with you, like having someone there with you to make it fun, also music, um, it really, really helps the nerves. So that's my advice. <laughs>
1: Hey, thank you. Yes, making it fun definitely helps. Helps it be a little bit easier. Um. All right. Uh, Anansi, would you like to go ahead? Sure. Yes.
5: So, I started getting symptoms beginning of this year, and it started off with my knees and my feet. And I was the first person to blame the gym. I was like, it's exercise. Nothing um, it good comes from exercise. Um. It's got to be that. So. Yes. So I thought it was that. Um, as part of my work, I then had to go for a conference and on the night of the, the night before I was due to go, the conference was in London. I had to take the train. I felt like I'd sprained my wrist, but I don't know. I didn't do anything to make my sprain my wrist. So I strapped it all up and everything and did what I would. put ice, strapped it up. The next day, the wrist pain had completely vanished, but the shoulder was completely gone. And I was like what is going on I still had to go to this conference I went and it just it was just like it was my joints were on a rotor that is the only way I can explain it they were just taking their own own turns oh it's my turn now I'm gonna hurt you I'm gonna hurt you and it just went from I would say neck down I was in pain my head was fine so um in the end I decided to go to the doctor because that's just wise um Immediately, they had blood tests and everything. I was one of the lucky ones in the sense that my rheumatoid factor was positive, so I didn't really have to argue with what it may or may not be. However, that blood test result came at the end of March. I was given an appointment the third of April, which promptly got cancelled because of COVID. So the hospitals were just shut, basically all the outpatients, everything so I was left to my own devices. So I'm the kind of person that, number one, I'm allergic to ibuprofen and the anti-inflammatory is not ideal. So paracetamol was my friend. To be honest, didn't really touch the sides with the pain, but I'm also not a medication taker. So it it probably did its thing, but I managed to... I took paracetamol once a day. That's, that's what I did. Um, but that that's just me. I just power through. And I was go, going like the other girls have mentioned. I was going via the natural route of like turmeric and omega-3s and everything. But seeing on the internet full well, oh, it's going to take eight to 12 weeks to work. But I had, everything was out of my control. I had to just wait for my appointment. Um, in the meantime do what everyone else does turn to professor google the difference is my background is science i'm a biologist so i come from an angle where i know a little bit more and that's not necessarily a good thing so during my phd um i was working with these cells these are like gut cells and these cells to make them do what i needed them to do i added methotrexate to them so i was physically watching these cells change not necessarily in a good way i was watching it through the microscope and i was sitting there reading on google the treatment for ra is methotrexate so yeah it was um to to accept that i may need this was not easy so again going through the natural route paracetamol omega 3s and everything and i think it got to so this was from April. It got to about mid-May when my body was not giving. I was struggling to walk for more than 10 minutes at a time, squeezing toothpaste, took two hands. You know, It's like when, when it's got to that kind of level, you're like, okay, I need the help. It's gonna to have to be whatever the doctor gives me. I will take it. Doesn't necessarily mean it has to be long-term, but I will take it. And so I came to that acceptance and finally got seen two weeks ago. And lo and behold, I was given a methotrexate straight away along with the steroids because of course, methotrexate takes its time to work. So I've been given prednisolone, um, yes, to start with and then to weed myself off over a six week period and methotrexate 15 milligrams. So I've taken two doses. Again, it was more the fear factor beforehand. Um, but it wasn't so bad it was I started getting a little bit queasy on Saturday night but it it was like half 10 so I went to bed and I woke up and I was fine and yeah I've, I've been ab- absolutely fine this time actually last week I had a headache this time absolutely fine so um water's been my friend um, I've noticed Cheryl had a question so I'm just
0: always curious when people do and especially as a scientist because for me the evidence is so much stronger for the western medicine like that it can slow cuz so I do remember my doctors telling me like these medicines are are you know 75% of the time guaranteed to slow down disease progression and give you the best chance of lifelong function and lack of of disability, so um, I'm just curious when people like I see the diet and the natural route as risky, more risky than the medicine. But I know I'm like weird for that because it's so common for everyone else to not to not want the medicine. So I don't know what is was different about my brain. But for you as a scientist, did you look at the data for methotrexate's effectiveness, or were or is it more just the knowledge of why methotrexate how methotrexate interferes with cell metabolism and like that is like fundamentally scary yeah it was
5: more the fear factor behind methotrexate of what it's physically doing to cells cuz even though it's a strange one because at, at large doses it's chemotherapy but at small doses it's can cause cancer so there is that mm. there is that kind of thing whereas i've been in a strange situation for myself where i've I've had cancer, I've had ovarian cancer. I didn't, but I didn't have chemo. See what I mean about not being a medicine taker. I had operations to remove it. I was offered chemo, but then I said, prove to me that it is still there and prove to me that the chemo is going to give me an extra benefit. They couldn't, I didn't take it, I'm fine. So touch wood, or the wood. But (laughs) but, um, yeah, with methotrexate, it's obviously the benefits far outweigh the cons. Um, From a natural point of view, everyone can be a cynic. Um, The research is pretty good for the omega 3s, which is why I went there. And also, from a personal observation, whilst I was on my own without seeing the doctor, I was struggling from a pain point of view, but I was also losing a lot of weight as well. So I think I lost um, about 14, 14, 15 pounds over about a week period. Um, But then, once the well I feel the only thing that I was taking that could have helped me was changing my diet a little bit and taking the omega-3s and the turmeric well not even a supplement I was having it as a drink but my weight then went up another three pounds and I feel like that may have been influenced somewhat by that I don't know there's no other explanation for it really so but yeah, obviously I've um, succumbed to the medication.
0: I did not mean to be like putting you, I realize now that I didn't mean to be putting you on the spot to like defend your choice to go natural. I, I was prompting that question only because I th- it's such a common question people have. And we could do like an eight hour long panel about, and, I, and I've, I've gone to a naturopath and I have experiment, you know, in the last 17 years, I, I was just thinking back to when I was first put on, like it didn't even enter my mind to try anything else, just because I I think I was probably just extremely desperate. And I had lost 25 pounds on like a very small oh, frame. So I feel, I mean, that's a terrible experience. Um, there's something I didn't even know until I started researching it later called rheumatoid cachexia, which is severe weight loss caused by uncontrolled um, inflammation from rheumatoid arthritis. It's like a thing. And no one even explained that to me. They just were like, yeah, your body's just kind of messed up now because you have RA and then anyway so I'm so I'm like throw the kitchen sink at it person I just (laughs) it makes me I I get scared for people when they throw the meds completely out the window for natural because I've seen just people who have then experienced joint um you know, image. side effects that they they can't turn back the clock, and then they wish they could. So it's a very complicated thing. So I did not mean to be put you on the spot. I was just curious, especially as a scientist. I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Oh, no,
0: I,
5: I, I, I didn't see um, it putting me on the spot at all. Oh no. good,
0: okay. I didn't mean like, why did you do? This
1: like, it's not what I meant.
0: <laughs> and no,
5: not not even. Okay, good. Okay,
0: good. I am. I respect
1: everyone. Yeah, and I think Kristen in the chat did mention that you're right. There is no funding for natural research, which is. The fact that there is no natural, like, funding for natural research coming out of medical schools, like, that's crazy. But, like, looking into more osteopathic schools, like, I've actually found that they do have a more naturopathic approach, at least. So maybe that's a tip. Um, Find an osteopathic medical practitioner around you. They might have more alternative options if you are looking to go without um, methotrexate or just another of the heavy you know medications and then um I don't know who was next just
5: to add one more thing I don't think when it comes to the natural route, it's very it number one lack of funding and but also I think a real big thing is um <laughs> um Shevel's just said she's going to look into omega. So this is good um i'll get onto that in a second but yeah um my point was that everyone reacts differently and with it's not as so textbook as conventional medication where you can more or less rely on that whereas with the natural medication what what works for someone may not work for someone else so mm-hmm. i think that's that's quite a difficult thing and that's why And whilst you're waiting for things to work, you could be doing yourself a a fair bit of damage as well. So I think you've got to be quite open to a lot of things. Um, What I did find out when I was reading about the omega-3, which I don't think many people know about, is that there are two different, well, actually there are three. There is omega-3, omega-6, and omega nines. But omega-3 is the one that you need to focus on for anti-inflammatory. And If you have an imbalance of an omega-6, omega-3 ratio, you end up being more inflammatory than anti-inflammatory if that makes sense so it's always worth looking at what foods supplements etc are in omega-3 um and kind of making sure they outweigh what's in your omega-6 foods because it's kind of easier to get omega-6 but not so easy for omega-3 <laughs> thank
1: you that totally makes sense and yeah nutrition is such a key thing as well um i think Thank you again for sharing is and are there any more questions
4: um, so uh, like i said i was diagnosed when i was 19 uh that was in between my first year and second year um at uni uh i was all alone when i started getting symptoms which is even more terrifying uh, and i'm originally from romania so i had to go back home um for the summer holidays um And I was telling my mom, you know, I'm unwell, everything hurts, I've tried a lot of painkillers um, and nothing was doing anything for me. And she got me an appointment to a rheumatologist, um, but you know, she couldn't do much except send me for loads of blood tests um, at the time. And I was seeing a lot more specialists um, to figure out what was going on with me. Um, It took about three months uh, for it to come back as rheumatoid arthritis because they were in trouble between that and lupus. Um, and to be honest, I don't remember much from that time except that when they gave me prednisone because the pain got so bad. I just had the most amazing nap. Um, uh, but that's about it. And they told me about metatrexate. Um, but my mom is very much Uh, the natural way person Um, and like I forgot to mention but the same as Ananthi I am a biologist so I know a bit more about what's going on but not always good Um, but very much at that time um, my mum was kind of controlling what I was taking uh, and she said you know what we're gonna try the natural way first and then go from there so that's why I didn't sign my methotrexate until the following year. And um, so I did genetics as my undergrad. And in my second year, everyone's favorite condition was rheumatoid arthritis. And it was terrifying how much they were talking about it uh, and all of these treatments. Um, and I thought, you know, I have, to, I have to do something because I had almost no mobility in my right hand. And that was a very helpful <laughs> university because I couldn't type or write or cook or brush my hair. Um, but yeah, uh, I finally got up an appointment with the rheumatologist here in the UK. Uh, and they put me on the methotrexate pills. Uh, I think it was 20 milligrams at that time. Um, but I just wasn't tolerating them well. Uh, they made me super nauseous. Um, very tired, I used to take them on a Sunday evening and I remember on Mondays, I could almost never go to uni because they made me so sick. Um, Yeah, I was really scared of the injections because I was a bit of a, uh, I had a bit of a phobia, but after having to do a lot of blood tests, it kind of went away. Um, But I was a bit apprehensive when they suggested the injection again, but I thought, you know, it does absorb, your body does absorb it better um, in the injection form, so it was worth giving it a shot, especially if it gave me less um, side effects, but um, I was really scared. I think I was with a nurse and it took me about an hour just to inject myself and I was really embarrassed at that time because uh, it seemed like a waste of her time. Um, but yeah, I was tolerating the injection much better. Um, I. Quickly became a pro at it. Um, but yeah, so except the metatrexate, I'm also on sulfasalazine. Um, and I, I used to be on hydroxychloroquine as well, but that made me really unstable. So they, uh, they got me off it. Um, I think that's about it.
1: Yay, thank you so much. I've actually met very few people who are also on sulfasalazine because I guess they're more like, older treatments, according to some live health doctor I was talking to, but it it does work for me with the combo. Um, thank you. Are there any questions, you guys? Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, so, I had said I would go next, and I think my story is also, like everybody, it is a saga. Um, so, I've basically had symptoms since I was 14 years old. I... It, I first started in my wrist. It was a bone that was sticking out. We went to the ER. I wasn't insured, and we had immigrated to America about three years ago, so it, we obviously didn't have insurance or anything. So, getting diagnosis not even in the question. They basically threw a splint on it, told me to go look at it. Get had to check out by an orthopedic surgeon and no orthopedic surgeon around my area would see me without insurance because of liability concerns. Um, so basically never got diagnosed. And then I had a lot of pain all throughout high school and a lot of, I don't know, just a lot of pain all throughout college as well. And I started powerlifting in college so when I started having a lot of pain again, I was like, oh my gosh, it's because I'm working out. Um, and I was totally blaming the gym. I had actually won a competition in third place. So I was really excited and to keep going. But then I got scared that I was ruining my body. So I stopped and everyone was like, oh yeah, it is definitely your working out that's causing you to be so much pain and I don't know ever since I quit I had I started hurting even more because it was actually helping my circulation getting the exercise I needed um so basically things got a lot worse where I was working at a senior living and I was on my foot feet all day mm-hmm. I got put on methotrexate a year and a half after I was in my worst flare um since then I've had so much cartilage damage in my left ankle and toe, mm-hmm. the bones basically now grind against each other. Um, so that's that that's damage that I can never get back. Um, like that's cartilage that I can never get back and that damage is going to be there forever. So basically I still limp all the time and I didn't think methotrexate was doing anything for me until I went off of it two months ago. And since then, my entire body is flaring. I don't know what is going on, you guys. My hands, my wrists, my elbows, knees, hips, neck. Uh, Although my doctor said it doesn't affect the neck, but I can definitely feel something in my neck. Um, And my jaw as well as having some inflammation, I notice. So I don't know. I don't know if um, anyone else had that experience with your jaw. Um, and then my side of, you as well, thank you. Yay, I'm not the only one. (laughs) So I actually stopped chewing gum because I thought that's what was causing my jaw pain. Um, But no, guys, it was not. Um, Anyway, so my side effects with methotrexate are so bad. Yes, see, yay, everyone agrees, jaw is evil. i don't feel alone and that's why i like love this community i just i never knew anybody else's mouth hurt i thought that was me because i talk so much but um i have really bad side effects oh thanks cheryl that's really interesting a tiny joint in my throat i wonder if that's that's ever been an issue for me that's interesting thank you for sharing um For me, side effects from methotrexate are nausea and my stomach hates me for it. But I've also had those symptoms going on since I haven't been on methotrexate for two months. So we're thinking now that it's probably an outside GI issue. I'm currently uninsured, so can't get that checked out. But um, my methotrexate, I, I can't get back on methotrexate fast enough and I will never go off of it again, unless I want to have children someday. So yeah, Um, guys, that's my story. Okay, I can go first. Um, So
3: I was, I feel like my diagnosis story is very brief and I feel extremely for that experience because I know that that's not necessarily typical in our community. My dad has rheumatoid arthritis, and my mom has Sjogren's, so I'm a perfect combination of my parents, and I think that's actually why I knew what it was so quickly. Um, So I started, my first like aha symptom that brought me to tears um, was my shoulder. It was my right shoulder. I woke up in the middle of the night with the most severe pain I've ever experienced in my life um i was crying i couldn't sleep the rest of the night and i told my husband that morning that i had to go get it checked out i was like i don't know what i did um i was rowing a lot at the time so i blamed it on rowing which rowing is like one of the most gentle exercises you can do for your shoulder it's very low risk Um, so that didn't make a whole lot of sense but i went to the doctor and they were like here they did x-rays everything looked fine they were like, "Here are some anti-inflammatories. Take these. Put your shoulder in a sling, and you'll be okay." Um, then, like a week later, it shifted sides, and I was like, "Okay, this is not an injury. This is probably rheumatoid arthritis." Um, and so I went back to the my general doctor, um, and they ordered labs, just like the full gamut testing for HIV, Lyme, just everything. Um, They got those results back. My rheumatoid factor was actually negative at the time, but I think it was my, um, I always get these confused, but I think it's like CRP. Does that sound familiar to people? Uh, That was high. And so some other things were off in my labs as well. So they sent me to a rheumatologist. Took four months to get into my rheumatologist. So I was just waiting and agonizing pain, but you know, such is life. Um, And by the time I got in to see my rheumatologist, my rheumatoid factor had increased so high, and it was off the charts at that point. So right then and there, I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and Sjogren's. Um, and like I said, I was put on methotrexate 20 milligrams uh, that day. So I started my dosage two days after. Um, I was really nervous when I first started taking it just because I had seen my dad taking it. And while he tolerated it, he tolerated it well. But I mean, You know, he's in bed like the day after taking methotrexate with the fatigue um, and just, you know, not it's not your normal life, right? And so that's one thing that I think I wasn't prepared for when I got diagnosed was not fully understanding or accepting that like things were going to have to change. This was not just going to be business as usual. I was going to have to grieve for kind of my former life. And what I thought I was capable of doing um, was going to look a little bit different from here on out. Um, And so I'm still kind of dealing with that. I think I have my ups and downs um, I'm in my final year, hopefully, of my PhD program. Um, and I've had to really change my pace a lot. Um, and it's been tough, not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, so i say for my symptoms, um, but the side effects are definitely something that, you know, I wish it wasn't there, but unfortunately that's not reality. So grateful for the medications, not so grateful for the side
1: effects. Thank you for sharing, Kristen. And I can't agree with that more. There's just, I don't think there's any way we can really prepare for starting to mourn our old lives. And I think that's the biggest thing I've seen, especially in my household, just mourning our like former lives is the hardest part. Thank you for sharing. Does anybody have any questions for Kristen?
0: Um, Kristen, I know that um, if you're comfortable talking about it, I know you've been experimenting with some other ways to like minimize some of the side effects like fatigue. Um, Is that something you'd be wanting to share? Yeah, yeah. I can
3: definitely talk about it now that I have the data. (laughs) Um, So let's see. I think it was four months ago. um, I had my uh, remote telehealth appointment with my rheumatologist, and I was complaining about some of these symptoms that I was having. I was experiencing a high level of fatigue, chest pain, and um, what else? Brain fog. The, The lovely brain fog. Um, and she was kind of like, all right, is this you know, inflammation, or is this a side effect of your medication? Let's get some data, and so I'm a board-certified behavior analyst, so when you tell a board-certified behavior analyst to get some data, we roll with it, and we get excited, <laughs> so I made up some data sheets for myself, and I started tracking my behavior. Um, about two weeks into tracking my data, I started taking CBD, um, just a uh, tincture, And um, I decided to kind of see like, all right, what kinds of effects might the CBD have for my particular symptoms and my behavior? Um, So I took CBD for an entire month while taking data on my symptoms every single day. Then I removed the CBD for an entire month um, while taking data every single day. So I now have about three months worth of data, both with CBD and without and since then I've been able to analyze the data. I just did that this weekend and it was super exciting um, because what I saw that the conditional probability of my fatigue and my brain fog symptoms was higher when I was not on CBD. So CBD actually decreased my likelihood of feeling some of those symptoms that we commonly feel from you know, methotrexate, that fatigue, that brain fog, I'm much more likely to feel a lot better when I'm taking CBD regularly. Um, So that was really exciting to me. And it was a nice way for me to justify that extra cost because CBD is expensive, which is why I wanted to do a treatment evaluation on it. I was not trying to spend that money. Um, We already spend so much y'all like on (laughs) different tests and different treatments. Um, I did not want to add something into my regimen unless I knew that there was data to back it up. So it turns out there is, which is great, but also like, darn, I have to spend that extra money, but it's okay because I'll feel better. Um, so I'm excited to share that uh, data, those data with my rheumatologist when I see her again next month.
1: Yay. Oh my gosh, that is super cool. I love that data. And I think we talked about it yesterday about behavior and advocacy with that. I think where I've used behavioral analysis on myself. I am just a RBT. I worked with kids on the autism spectrum before and I want to be a BCBA and have a PhD just like Kristen, which is like, what? And it totally blew my mind the other day, but I love how passionate you are and that you're bringing it to chronic illness world. I know it will help. And definitely with the CBD, I think I'm lucky to, Have family members who actually sell them as a business, so I do get them at like cost price, which I do appreciate. It is such a huge expense.
6: Thank you for sharing, Uh, Jenny. Would you like to go ahead? Um, But kind of like for Kristen, I have I've had psoriasis since I was twelve, so they've been watching my joints for a long time just to see if it would come on um, because it's kind of an expected thing, Um, but. I had a scare two years before I actually had the real arthritis, kind of my wrist started to get a little sore. Um, So they checked me out for like the CRP, which measures inflammation, and they checked rheumatoid factor and everything, and it was negative. Um, So two years from that, then we kind of just let it go and it wasn't anything. Um, And then last year, I think it was, uh, sometime around then, um, I started doing HIT workouts. So sprinting and running really fast and doing that type of type of thing. Um in the US, I don't know if orange theory is a thing everywhere, but it's a high intensity interval training um workout program. So I was doing that about five times a week and um really got into it. And in the summer of last year mm, around August of last year, I started to have some hip pain, um, while I was running and I had a running buddy that we would, um, try to, you know, compete with each other. And eventually I couldn't keep up with him. And I was kind of, I started, I remember being like, my hips just feel really like weird. It feels like I'm like rusty or like, it's like, I'm like the tin man and I can't get myself to, to go as fast as I was going before. Um, so I went to the doctor immediately with that. And she noticed in my toes. So psoriatic arthritis is kind of weird because it affects some joints and not other joints. And it's not really on both sides of the body. And it's, it's kind of weird. Um, But she noticed that my toes were swollen, um, kind of, they call it like sausage, like looking toes. Um, So she kind of found that and was like, you know what, this seems like it's psoriatic arthritis. So immediately, um, we she got me into the rheumatologist. And it was gonna be a, like a six month wait, but then somebody got somebody canceled their appointment, and they called me, and I got in right away. Um, they, I, um, the first thing with. Um, psoriatic arthritis and psoriasis is not actually methotrexate. It's Otesla is what they wanted to put me on before. So immediately I started Otesla and that's kind of a newer medication that is specific to psoriatic arthritis and psoriasis. Um, It worked okay. And for a little while, I felt like I was getting, getting better. Um, I started to like jog again. Um, And then I'm also a nurse so I started working more rotating schedules for a long time I was just doing day shift but from the knees of the floor it cut moved around I started working night shift and the night shift actually really messed with my body and made my joints hurt so much more um, I was limping every day it was and it would I would only work a night shift Friday Saturday every four weeks um, but the way that it would happen is I'd work my night shifts and then it would take those three weeks to heal from the night shift. And then I'd work it again. And it would take those three weeks. So I was never feeling okay. Um, So then I worked with my um, employer, and we made it so that I could work during the day. And that helped a little bit. But it's still not great. And so this is where the step comes where I start moving to methotrexate. And like a lot of people on here I'm a nurse and I know a little bit more and sometimes that's not always a great thing um, I'm an oncology nurse specifically so I see the side effects of the 300 milligram methotrexate and I see more of the extremes and it's not a great thing because I was talking to my rheumatologist and they love this drug and they you know they're like this is it's not something that you have to fear it's something that you have to respect because it is gonna have some side effects but it's it's the safest thing that we, that we know right now and the most effective to keep your joints healthy and safe. And, um, I think that along with the natural stuff, what people were talking about with, um, sometimes maybe the, I know there's not a lot of research with that, but I think for me, sometimes fear can distort our, um, like our idea of what is safe and what's not safe. So it's not necessarily rational that we're more comfortable with the natural stuff, but it, is natural and so sometimes I think we're like, okay, well our bodies are natural and natural things must be good and scientific things that can cause cancer later on might not be good. And I think it's not necessarily the fact that we don't know that the methotrexate is good and that it will help, it's the fact that it's scary. And so fear makes us irrational. Yay, okay, so um, I feel like a lot of what you guys have
1: said is, you know, we've covered a lot of advice too. Um, but I wanted to go ahead and do some advice pieces for injections. Um, does everybody do, if, if everyone is on injections, are you guys planning on doing it
6: yourself or, um, do you already do it on yourself or does a partner help you? I'm not on any injections and stuff and I haven't obviously started the methotrexate yet, but as a nurse, I can say that I, when I'm giving an injection to a patient, it's easy. It. It feels better, I think, if you pinch harder than the poke. I always tell them that. So if you can pinch harder with your fingers, then what the needle is going to feel like, it kind of tricks your brain into thinking that it focuses on the pinch more than the poke, basically. So anything you can do to kind of trick your brain. I love that.
1: I also love using an ice cube to numb the area. My, my nurse told me that. she could. I think she could feel how much I was sweating sitting in that office that day. But but the ice cube thing, I haven't had to try that yet. Um, some I've gotten shots before by other people um, just like regular shots and I get bruising really hard. So I I use ice on those when I know it's going to bruise, but I've never had bruising in my tummy or thigh, which is where I usually do my injection. Um, any so if your partner or family member do ever end up being the ones to give you an injection. This is my advice for them. Um, don't take too long. Just go like swift and
0: easy, like swift, like a cat. Um, this is going to sound really counterintuitive, but something that I've learned that applies to any, um, dis uncomfortable situation, something like for me, I have anxiety, not around needles, but around um, like claustrophobia, I really, really don't like. Like I've, got, I've gotten some MRIs. It's really, really hard for me. And I think, um, so I'm, I'm looking at this from like an anxiety lens. So if you're having anxiety about anything, whether it's a needle or whatnot, um, the, I, what your brain usually was telling you is make it better. Like get, decrease the anxiety, make it better. Like take a deep breath or do this. But there's this this and Kristen can probably explain this better than I can, but I learned this different technique called acceptance and commitment therapy, which is the one that's worked the best for my anxiety. It's like diet, right? Like mental therapy things are like diet where the one that works for one person might not work for another, but um, mm-hmm. it's where you accept that it's going to feel bad. And you don't try to say, like you just say, whatever is happening in the moment, I can sit in the moment. I can sit like in this, for me, the MRI is like a really hard thing. So I'm like, I don't like this. I, I'm not able to control right now what's going on. And yeah. I'm accepting that I can sit with it. I can tolerate it. And like making tolerance your goal rather than like feeling better or feeling great. It's like almost like reverse psychology sometimes where you're like, okay, feel worse. And they're like, oh, I actually don't feel as bad versus like feel better, feel better, feel better. Mm-hmm. so that's been like a really interesting and there's this is a really interesting approach um and i know it, it can work on anxiety the, there's evidence for it working on anxiety and specific phobias which needle phobia would be included in that so yeah i
3: definitely can
1: see that yeah just to piggyback
3: off of that so acceptance and commitment therapy so it's a psychotherapeutic technique that's actually rooted in behavior analysis Um, and it's extremely effective for a variety of things like anxiety, um, chronic pain even. Um, And yeah, the whole idea is kind of like life sucks and that's it. (laughs) There's no need to try to change it because this is just reality and this is just how it is and the sooner you accept that, the sooner it gets easier. Um, So I just wanna plug, you know, I don't do injections for methotrexate but I do Humira injections. Um, you know, I think that there is no shame in needing help. So if you're noticing that you're having a really hard time injecting yourself or you don't have somebody to help you, if you're spending more than 10 minutes doing the injection, it may be time to ask a therapist for help. There's no shame in that. therapists exist for a reason, um, and I absolutely think that you will your future self will thank you for asking for help.
1: I agree. Um- And also, if you don't feel safe doing it yourself, my hands spasm. I throw my phone, oranges, everything. I throw everything on the ground. Out of nowhere so for me holding that needle is terrifying because I know I will spasm so if you're if you don't feel safe I know there are insurance plans and governmental assistance at least in the United States and California that will provide you home health nurse to come support you with your injections you just have to tell your doctor that. I love that everyone is so different because it just goes to show that nobody's going to have the same experience Um, and thank you everyone for sharing is there i just wanted to open it up so we could talk and just kind of have more of a natural discussion now that we kind of know a little bit about each other and all of our information and again if you guys have to hop off feel free um, to do so
7: Uh, one more thing i say to do is to spoil yourself after you do an injection Um, give yourself a treat because you freaking deserve it. So, I mean, before I started injections, every time I had a doctor's appointment, which was constantly, I had to get blood work done and I got myself some Starbucks because I was like, you know what, girl, you deserve this. So now after I inject, I go get like some chocolate or I go make my own latte because we deserve it. So that's my advice.
6: (laughs) Yay. Yes. I love that one. I think to touch on just some more of the fears for people who are just starting, um, cause I don't know if I mentioned that, that sort of the things that I've been scared of, um, once I got over the fact of the whole, okay, I'm going to start methotrexate. This is where we're going with it. Accepted that. Um, I think another fear is the hangover a little bit more, um, that the next day, like if you have a work schedule that you can't guarantee that you're going to have a day off to recover, or you can't guarantee that you're not going to have to go through, your daily motions, um, you know, with feeling like that. I think that was a fear. Um, and the, just more of like the side effect stuff. I think a lot of people are afraid of that. Um, but I like how we, a lot of people touched on the hangover part of it is not the same for everybody. And maybe what is another good thing to think about is to treat yourself on that hangover day too, even if you have to work, but you know, doing something nice for yourself or, um, I don't know, something to that effect, because I think that the side effects and the, I think the fear of it is worse than the thing. It's the actual thing itself. So until you start it, and I'm still in this space of having not started it yet, but until you start it, I feel like you build this thing up to be bigger than it actually is. So if anybody watching this is feeling that also, it's okay. <laughs> because I think that's the biggest thing is that, all these things that we talk about, the fears of it are worse in your head than they are in the real life. So
1: I definitely would agree with that. Uh, My fears of methotrexate going in were totally different. I do have crazy amount of hair loss and some months like I, I don't have hair loss at all, but some months I have hair loss like crazy. It really depends so much on what uh, what other things you're doing in your life. If you are able to take the day off the next day, great. But my methotrexate hangover doesn't kick in until the methotrexate is almost out of my system, which is about five days after my injection. Then my fatigue... <laughs> So methotrexate actually gives me a ton of energy, um, but it also gives me nausea and hair loss. That's my thing. But if I just eat bland foods the next day, I can basically get through the next five days. So me, I take my methotrexate on Sunday or Monday so I can get through the whole week and rest on the weekend and then recharge again. Also, taking it right before you go to bed might help with the fatigue part because you'll naturally sleep it off I guess that's kind of how my doctor explained it to me I usually do it in the morning that way I can be pampered all day long and I can be like well I got my injection today (laughs) yes thank you Allie yeah and I just love it I love having people just be at my you know um, beck and call just can I have some water (laughs) I'm a princess (laughs) I'm the
7: worst
0: you are not you are worth it Thank you. That's what yeah. I said. <laughs> yeah. I love all these ideas. I mean, the only other thing is to know that like remembering that you can always mix things up later. And I think one of the things a lot of us struggle with is overwhelm, right? So even me having this for 17 years and being on I'm on my third biologic and I've had a lot of things, you know, happening in between. And um it's like it can sometimes feel like I joke with my doctor and my therapist like a butterfly flapped its wings in Africa. And then that change, like, you know, that thing with like if a butterfly flaps its wings in Africa, like the weather changes where you are, it's like, well, a butterfly flapped its wings and now my left pinky hurts. Like, I have no idea. But if you do start, like Kristen is a big, you know, real hardcore data collector, I've been able to kind of get away with not being as perfectly maybe, um, of a data collector, but you could kind of start saying, "Okay, I'm going to start it at night and see how I feel the next two days, and kind of just briefly journal about that, and then try it on the morning the other time, and then just you could you actually it can start feeling really empowered by the idea that oh, I'm kind of in charge of tweaking things, and um, yeah, so I think that 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 can be really useful. Um, yeah, and and I think that's oh yeah, the other thing is scheduling. I do because. I, I don't seem to have the severe fatigue a lot of people experience, but um, I, I do feel a bit tired the next day. Like, and I'm just used to feeling tired at this point, but um, I've started taking it t- closer to the weekend, like Thursday night. Um, and oh, I was going to say something else. I forgot. Okay. never mind. <laughs> the brain fog. Oh, that's actually what, okay. what I was going to say. So in the last 17 years, the best I've ever felt that entire time was when I was pregnant and um so when you're pregnant sometimes some people not everyone with autoimmune diseases it goes into remission but the thing that stood out for me was not only did my physical symptoms go into remission i felt more energy than i had felt in a long time and then i realized wait so if i've been on methotrexate this whole time at a certain point you just accommodate to it and you're like this is what my this is what i feel like like this is who i like this is my body Right, so I actually, since I haven't been off of it other than pregnancy, I actually don't know how much fatigue I have. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, it may be causing not necessarily a distinct hangover the next day, but it may be just causing this baseline level of fatigue. That because I mean, a lot. It's pregnancy is notorious for causing fatigue, and I was like, woohoo, party time! Like I flew to China to visit my husband. I went to Japan. We went, traveled. We like walked all around the Great Wall. I I was going swing dancing. I was like, I've never felt better. Um, so it is, there is a certain point, like I know sometimes my doctor has been like, what well, do you think this is happening or is this? And I'm like, I literally don't ever completely know unless I go off of something, whether what's causing what, unless it's like severe. Like when I, I did start a medication for anxiety and I had, unfortunately it's a very effective medication and it works really well for my anxiety, but they're kind of SSRIs are kind of notorious for having that two to three week. Like, Oh, it's like hard to get your brain is like spasming, like. And you're like, whoa, I feel weird. Like, I feel like I am, this is very distinct. If it's not like a severe side effect, you get to this point where it's just hard to know yet yeah, trial and error, like what is causing what? So anyway, for whatever that's worth, there was a point in there somewhere.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. I- Like everything, I think trial and error is the key to finding what works for you, because what works for me is not going to necessarily work for Cheryl or for Paulina or anybody else on here. And I'm sure we can all say and relate like, yes, I have that same symptom and everything, but just being able to keep going and just keep trying new things. Paulina, did you want to go ahead with your comment and tip?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. Um, actually, just a second and sort of add a little bit more on acceptance and fear. One thing that has been helping me, but of course, we have our good days and we have our bad days. What's been helping me a lot mentally is trying to stay in the moment and accepting what is now. I am someone who, or I used to be, I try to not in that route anymore but I used to be someone who would just think a year ahead or a month ahead or five years ahead or 20 years ahead and I'm like wait this is going to get so much worse this is just I'm just going to continue and this is going to get this and that I'm not going to be able to do this I'm a dancer as well so I'm like well I'm not going to be able to dance at one point in my life and what am I going to do and I continuously found myself going into a spiral And I mean, stress and all of this, it really doesn't help us. And something that I try to do on a regular basis is to simply stay in the moment and accept that today at nine o'clock is how I'm feeling. And today at six o'clock, it's how I'm feeling. And that's how it is. Because every single hour could be completely different. And just because I woke up this way doesn't mean I'll go to sleep feeling that way. So- fine I mean it's hard I'm not saying this is like hey you can do that it's continuous work every single day to just try to like look and and accept that this is how I feel in this moment and it's fine to say no to someone that I made friends with for tomorrow with a plan to meet with for tomorrow when actually I wake up feeling shitty I'm like well sorry I cannot go Yesterday I felt amazing, but today I don't, and that's fine. And I feel that finding that balance and finding that acceptance to be okay with how we're feeling in that specific moment has been such a massive changer for me because I mean, there truly is no point looking at the future, even if it's a future in one hour or two hours ahead, because we can't change it, what's going to happen we can't influence it as such like properly. I mean, we can sort of keep our spoons from tomorrow for today, but we still have to just accept what's coming and like what's, what's happening in that moment that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. And for something that maybe like helps me get into that is meditation but guided meditation, because if you try to sit quietly, your mind is just going to go like it's going to do its thing. You will never be able to not focus on what's on your mind. Guided meditation or moving meditation. Like I'm a dancer myself. So putting music on and doing dancing meditation, it's like it, it transforms me <laughs> and my mind is elsewhere in that moment. Um, so that's something that helps. And also, most of you probably know, but I'm into yoga a lot and I have been for a very long time. Now being actually, okay, a few moments from certifying, I can also say that, that getting yourself into a point of finding, what, like occupying your mind with balancing your body, for example. Yoga poses where you have to focus and balance yourself brings you into the moment your mind will not think about what you have to do tomorrow because you're about to lift your foot up and you might fall if you don't focus on keeping balanced so actually that's been like such a huge help for me as well on the days that i'm feeling like my mind is like thinking that i have made these plans in a week's time and they're really important for me and i want to be there but oh my gosh how will i feel then I just do a very challenging balancing yoga workout or yoga session to bring my mind back into the moment and sort of help myself accept that that's where I am. And that's what I need to focus on now. And whatever is going to come, I will deal with it when it's there, when the moment comes and go through the same process of just accepting, analyzing what you can and can't do and simply going with it.
1: Yes. Thank you, Paulina. Yes. That is so important. Just seeing where you are in the moment and like being okay with it, I think is so important. And, um, I, I love that you found something that you're so passionate about and it can like help you manage your day-to-day symptoms and like support other people. And, Finding that same, I think it's awesome. Um, For me, balance is something I treasure, but can never find. Um, So I'm always trying to find ways to get that. Uh, Is anyone else, um, didn't, yeah. Anybody else that would like to um, say some stuff?
2: Um, I didn't say something. For everyone out there, for anyone that comes across this video recording now or anything, There's a community now and you don't have to be alone. Like you can come to any of us or to any other person, Google or go on Instagram, check for a hashtag related to Spoonies or chronic pain or arthritis or any condition that you have. And you'll be able to connect with so many people and just talk because sometimes all that we need is to just get it out of our chest because no one else in our family understands us fully And we just need to get it out of our chest. We don't even need advice. We don't even need them to say anything. We just need to say it to someone who we know understands because they're going through something like that or something similar. So you're never alone. You have a huge community now that you can join and talk to. So please just approach people and say that you want to talk
1: yay thank you yes it's so true we're, we're all very talkative i feel and we're all super nice i just i never knew people could be this nice and then then i i fell into this community so
4: yay all right anybody else yeah i'd like to say something if that's okay uh, so just like a general piece of advice uh, for everyone that is new to this and scared as we probably all were at the beginning of a diagnosis. Um, You just have to make sure that you make a decision about where you want to go treatment-wise, you know, make it for yourself. And yeah, it's completely fine to listen to other people and other people's stories, but at the end of the day, you have to make up your own opinion and make sure that, you know, what you're about to do is the best for you. Um, Because, you know, you might have to do this I don't know for how long, so it might as well be confident in what you're doing um, and, you know, go all in um, based on your decision.
1: Yes, go all in. I love that. Thank you. I actually,
0: because I I, want to full circle on this whole idea of natural medicine versus versus Western. You don't have to choose one versus the other. It's often positioned as you have to either go all in on the natural and the western nights are scary and or you have to go all in on the western and like who cares about diet you can do both you know and i know a lot of people who yeah they start let's say okay i want to be as aggressive with this is possible because i am aware of some data that early aggressive treatment is the best for long term maybe joint damage um prevention but then you say okay i'm gonna start like at 25 milligrams of methotrexate and then i'm gonna do all this amazing lifestyle diet exercise and, and then I'm, you know, meditation, stress management. And then I'm going to see, oh, if I'm feeling amazing at 25 milligrams of methotrexate with all my lifestyle things, what if we can bump down the methotrexate to 20 milligrams, 15? And there's, I've, again, been exposed to people who've done that too. So it's like, have your cake and eat it too. So, but
5: slight bit of advice for the newbies. As a newbie, if you're starting up a new profile and you're beginning your journey, you will find that there are certain people that slide in your DMs that claim that they've got the world's most amazing cure. Um, take it with a pinch of salt. I've had my polite days. I've had my very impolite days. I would listen to the specialists and go with what they're, what they're saying. Yes, yeah, they're all saying a truckload of salt. Yes. Um, yes. I, pre- I would prefer to put the salt on my food. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, it's but sort of crap, a lot of them. So...
1: I agree, and a lot of these things they are not supposed to work with our medication. Um, and I know some of the products that have been like sent. I know some of the screenshots I've seen, and I recognize it because I do use that company for some of my non-toxic things, and it makes me so angry when people suggest things without like looking at people's history or like what medications they're on because they kept suggesting me to do like this hormone therapy but with my birth control like I can't take that and obviously like I had to do my own research and then be like no thanks dude like bye so yes so much like so many people out there trying to like pass off cures and I have to keep telling my family as well like no that's not a cure that's just you wasting your money like there's no cure God can't like make this go away Um, and if you are spiritual for me what I told my mom was to pray for strength and courage to get through this so if you are religious and your family is religious praying for a cure may not be realistic but you can pray for strength and courage and that might actually um, give you more hope. So maybe that's my last piece of advice. Just if your family is insisting on praying on you, let them and have them pray for things like courage and strength and acceptance. That's something I asked my mom to personally pray for and it's helped, at least in a placebo way it's helped me.
7: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. But, um, and as we were saying, like we will get a lot of DMs of people who are medicine shaming us which as you know, if you follow me, I get a ton. And of course you can block them or you can try to explain to them, but what's harder is our family members and our significant others that are not on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and So mine wasn't, yeah. I don't care, but mine wasn't. So um, that's why I created my Instagram page. So bringing awareness to them. So now that my friends and family watch me and they see it every day, they're like, oh, wow, like that's what you're going through. So um, giving your family and friends like, the resources, like if they want to check out our pages or if they want to follow along on our journeys and educating them and really sit down with them and let them know how they're making you feel is super important. Yay.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with all of that. And one last sentence, because we just keep going over. Um, <laughs> We talk about like nutrition, we talk about exercise, talk about these little things that could might maybe help. No cure, no um, di- like no claims or anything. However, what I would want to say is to not be afraid to try something new that might mm. help. It might just help mentally, it might be a placebo, it might just be with your stress or it might be with your pain management. But if it's not actually harming you, then don't be afraid to try it out because each one of us is so, so different that what's working for me might not work for you, but it could also work for you. Just give it a go and test it out and see how it feels.
1: I think it's important
3: to note just one last thing as we kind of wrap this all up. Um, You're in charge of your journey. This is your journey. No one else's. If you want to try yoga, try yoga. If you don't want to try yoga, don't freaking try yoga. It is up to you because this is your journey and no one else's. And don't feel bad because you don't want to try something or because you do want to try something. This is your life and you're in charge.
1: Yes. And being sick, everyone's always telling us what to do and what not to do. Man, it just makes me so crazy. So yes, try whatever you want. Don't try whatever you want. Lay in bed all day, go running all day. It really doesn't matter. Cause at the end of the day, if you're not happy living the life you have, then it's just, (laughs) oh my gosh. My favorite ones are the herpes comments. Like someone helped me cure my herpes. And I'm like, how did they do that? That's just, like, so crazy, you guys, but I'm so glad we're, like, not the only ones getting all these messages. I mean, they're happening to everybody, so. I mean, I think everyone is,
0: the way I feel about it is the way I feel about religion. I'm, like, everyone is welcome to give me their pitch once, and then if I tell you respectfully that, like, I've listened to you, like I will listen to you because I believe, like, if I believe that everyone was going to hell, if they didn't take an action, I would want, it would be like, it's an act of kindness to try to save people from going to hell, right? But yeah. because I, but if I tell you like, I have different beliefs then I don't, we're not gonna get anywhere with this conversation, but I will respectfully listen to you. And then the second, like after that first conversation, I'm like, I'm then I'm like, okay, I've listened to you. And then, you know, we can stop the conversation. I'm bad at stopping conversations. You might be surprised at that. <laughs> This is so awesome, you guys. Thank you. We are so wise, everyone. (laughs) No, seriously, this is amazing. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to check out my latest courses and resources on myarthritislife.net. This podcast is brought to you by the Beginner's Guide to Life with Rheumatoid Arthritis, a four-week online education and support program that I created from scratch to help people with inflammatory arthritis learn everything they need to know to navigate the social, emotional, physical, and logistical challenges of rheumatoid arthritis and related diseases. The next group is going to start in August 2020. Learn more at myarthritislife.net or bit.ly slash arthritis course, all in lowercase. You can also connect with me on my social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even TikTok. Check out the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Arthritis Life Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, an educational program I created from scratch to help you go from overwhelmed to confident, supported, and connected in a matter of weeks. You can go through the pre-recorded course on your own, or you can take the course along with a support group. Learn more at the link in my show notes, or you can always go to www.myarthritislife.net. And if you like this podcast, I would be so honored if you took the time to rate and review it. I also encourage you to share it with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I also wanted to remind you that you can find full transcripts, videos, and detailed show notes with hyperlinks for each episode on my website, www.myarthritislife.net. If you have any ideas for future episodes, or if you want to share your story or wisdom on the podcast, just shoot me an email at info at myarthritislife.net. I can't wait to hear from you.